Good morning, church family. So good to be here. Uh, we're going to start a new series today on the book of Romans. And uh, excuse me if my energy is a little down, a little under the weather, but um, glad to be here this morning. I'm going to jump into the text in just a minute. Uh, want to make sure I support uh, one of the things that mentioned, I should say, not support, but is Easter uh, weekend. We're still diving into whether or not we're going to do one, two services. We are going to do a helicopter drop. I don't know if that was mentioned earlier, uh, but we're excited about that, and uh, we'll do one of those again, and so those are always helpful. So we're hoping to do the Good Friday service in here and not have to do it at the church offices, but uh, we're waiting to hear back whether or not we can use this space or not. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to do one service at 10 a.m., so we're excited about Easter uh, coming up. All right, so uh, the book of Romans uh, is where we're going to be today. And um, I want to say thank you for a lot of you who gave me feedback on the book of Ecclesiastes. And hopefully you found that helpful. I know some of you came up to me and said how much you enjoyed it, how much it helped. And so I decided let's go through another book. And uh, no, this is uh, actually something that truly uh, in all the years of ministry, um, I don't know if we've ever done, you know, launching the year with two book studies. And, uh, but really felt like the Lord wanted me to do this and uh, for us as a church. And so... Uh, I'm excited to jump in. I really am. I just, I know I don't look excited, but I am. Um, and and to, to go through this book, there's so many cool stories that have already happened this week alone um, based off of this sermon and what God is uh, pouring into our church. And I want to celebrate this, and I'm sorry that I, I wish I could kind of get there, but just under the weather, but um, I am pumped about this. Uh, just in the last series alone, I just want to celebrate something, and we should just, man, this is so cool. We had 18 people give their life to the Lord in the book of Ecclesiastes. And last Sunday, we saw 12 people be baptized. 12, that's amazing. So, um, so, so good that we're able to, to be that. That's why we do what we do, and it's, it's awesome to see. And I know they just told me again today the parking lot is filled again, and so grateful to see all the growth that God is doing within our church body and uh, I know some of you have asked about land, too, what's going on with that, and the answer is nothing. I'm still waiting on March 4th. Uh, there's nothing really to announce or update on land just yet. March 4th is the day that we uh, meet with the county and find out what's possible and what's not, and so we'll know more then, uh, but you can certainly keep praying as we uh, still continue to pursue um, land acquisition for our church and to have a place to call home. I got up today at around 530, and uh, all I could think about was our setup and teardown team, you know, getting up and getting here and setting this place up. I'm so thankful for them. Um, but anyways, so, all right. Do you have your, your sermon notes? I'm going to make it through today. All right, sermon notes. I should have had a Red Bull or something beforehand or, or something. All right. Uh, we're excited to jump into God's Word uh, today, and uh, the book of Romans is where we're going to be. So here's my encouragement, uh, certainly to you, is through the book of Romans, uh, as we study this over the next few weeks, uh, I would encourage you to read through the letter with us. And then I think don't just read it once. If you can read it twice, read it twice. Keep reading through it. Uh, read a chapter, maybe two chapters a day. And then one of the ways that I think is helpful when it comes to reading scripture is don't just read it and then like, you know, like it's uh, like a fiction book and just read it. Like interact with it. And see if there's a verse or two or maybe a phrase that just jumps out at you and underline it or highlight it and pray about it. Um, and so my encouragement as you read through the text, like, like dive into it in this study. And I believe what you put into it is what you get out of it when it relates to Bible study. So 
All right, we're excited to jump in this book. I know I am, and I know you are too. So uh, I want to give you just two key reasons for the book of Romans, and this is in your sermon notes. And the first one is unity of the church. So I'll unpack this. Uh, just there was some division between Jewish Christians and what we'll call you know Gentile Christians or Christians or Gentiles. And so here's what's happened. Uh, Paul is in Corinth, likely. He's writing this uh, letter to a church in Rome, hoping to visit the church in Rome. And because of a series of events in history, you have Jewish Christians. Those are Jews who have converted to Christianity or believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they still hold on to their uh, traditions, the Old Testament traditions that you might read about in the first five books of the Bible. So they're going to hold on to some of these traditions, if you would, because to them, this was a way of, uh, of, of their upbringing, of their culture. And so you have one side of the people um, believing and holding on to certain traditions and values in the Old Testament. And then you have Gentile Christians who are non-Jews who are coming in saying, we don't have to do those things. And there becomes conflict in the church and the church gets divided. So they're dividing over this central issue. And so Paul and this issue, as we're going to see in a second, is going to be the gospel. So Paul's writing a letter to this church in Rome to help unify the body. He wants to bring them together all on the same page and helping understand uh, really the meaning of salvation, ultimately the gospel or the good news. So write this into your notes. The second one, which is one of the main reasons for this uh, book, is to explain the gospel. Uh, the good news. That's what gospel means, good news. And so... Um, if you've ever wanted to understand the gospel, this is the book you want to read. If you want to talk to one of your friends or neighbors about the gospel, I mean, this is the book that certainly can help really enlighten you on understanding what the gospel is. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to learn all about the gospel. And I want to put uh, the goal of the series, and this is just what I really want to kind of help you understand as a you know, want you to kind of get out of this, my goal of doing this series and my hope for you in this series. And I put our goal up in the series that I want to tell you the gospel. So you can write that in just the gospel. And I'm doing that intentionally. So you get so tired of writing the gospel that you're like, okay, book of Romans gospel. Um, but I want to tell you the gospel so you can tell the gospel to others. Like that is the whole point of this series. I want you, do we have that on the slide or maybe not? Okay. And um, if we don't, it might be, it's in your sermon notes, right? Okay. Um, and so I want you to uh, understand this gospel as I teach through it so that you can tell others the gospel. So I'm just totally curious. Don't feel bad. Don't feel like, you know, you're slacker or something if this is you. But just curious. Please raise your hand if you feel absolutely comfortable getting up here and telling us the gospel. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high so I can see you. Okay, raise your hand if you're like, please do not invite me up to explain the gospel because I have no clue. Please, okay, all right, so a lot of you. All right, now this is like, this is, this is like, this sermon, this series is like so uh, inside of me and man, I'm just excited because every one of you that just put your hand up, especially for those of you who said, man, I don't know if I feel confident in that. I, my hope, like the whole reason I'm gonna spend the next, you know, four or five, six weeks into the book of Romans is because I want you to fully so understand the gospel that you would not just be able to, to say it, but you'd be so moved by it that you couldn't shut up about it. Does that make sense? Like, you're just so filled with it that you would have to go tell everybody about it. That's what I, I hope for you, and, and that you feel so excited to go tell people and, like, never be quiet about this gospel because uh, I think that's one of the things... Uh, 
One of the hardest things I hear from people who've been in churches for a long time, and then you say, you know, can you explain the gospel? Jesus died on a cross, you know? I'm like, no, it's like, yeah, that's good, but it's so much more than that. So I want you to understand the gospel, right? Like this is core to Christianity, amen? So that is my hope for you in the series. If, if we can do that as a church, then I'll, I'll feel like, you know, we accomplished what we're trying to get after here. So uh, one of the most frustrating things in life, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is to have someone tell you what you ought to do, but not tell you how to do it. Has that ever happened to you? You know, you, you know what you should do, or they try to instruct you, and a boss comes in the room. I'm seeing a lot of laughter right now, but a boss comes in, a leader comes in or something and tells you, here's what you ought to be doing, but they don't show you how to do it, you know, and it's so frustrating. You're like, well, if you could explain to me how to do it, then I will, you know, so that's what this is. I know that many times you can hear in church, go tell the gospel to people, and yet you're like, that'd be great if I knew how to. And, and if you have the confidence to actually do it, that's what I want you to be able to have inside of you. I want you to know how to share the gospel, what the gospel is. And so that's simply the title of today's sermon is, What is the Gospel? Okay? So we're going to dive into this uh, in the book of Romans. And, um, and so super pumped about it. Romans chapter 1, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me there. And, um, and so I am not going to go through, by the way, I know I did not do this through the book of Ecclesiastes line by line. I know for some of you, you're like, you missed the most important verse. And, um, but it probably wasn't the most important verse, but it certainly is being an important one. But we cannot go through line by line, just so you know. And the reason is because it would take us like years just to get through Romans. I mean, years. It would take us forever. So, um, but I'm going to give more of a high level view um, if you would, on that, and, and hopefully you can still extract some stuff. That's why I want you to read it. So I will jump around a little bit in the book, but hopefully you get a big picture of what the book of Romans is all about, and then you fall in love with it, and you just want to read it over and over and over again. All right, so um, if you have your Bible, Romans chapter 1, this is where we're going to be today. It says uh, in verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. All right, so Paul is the one who's authoring this, of course, letter to the church in Rome. And you got to remember his audience is believers in Rome, divided Jew and Gentile, all of these kind of tradition things, okay? All right, so he says, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Man, these are such, like I could speak just on that verse, and we'll get to that in a second. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the Spirit, it says, of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 7, last one, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, pause. I know you hear the squeaking sound and you're going, what in the world is that? And the answer is, it's an AC that we cannot control. So we try to have it shut off and we can't. So we're going to have to deal with the squeaking stuff. But actually, I get excited about stuff like that because it just makes me want land and building more often. So like, <laughs> Jesus, please, right now, can we just start fasting and praying right now for land? In the building. So, this is, the, this is what I think God's gonna start doing stuff like this just to irritate us all to get us out of here and enter our own property. Amen? That'll motivate you to give to land right there. So, 
We'll just turn it up. If you could turn up the volume. We're actually doing it intentionally. That'd be really cool. Like, just make it really hot in the summertime. And you want a building? Well, then, here we go. So, all right. So, a couple of, of words um, that I want to just pull out, okay? It says, Paul, a servant. Now, that's a really, really, really important word. If you just read the text and you're like, okay, servant. No, listen, that word servant really means slave. It can be translated, and some translations will say that, Paul, a slave. In their context, in Rome, there's over 60 million slaves. So put yourself in context. Slavery is everywhere. This is a normal part of functioning society at this time. And so a slave was simply a piece of property. So when Paul writes, I'm a slave, to their context, he's saying, I'm a piece of property to God. I belong to him. I'm not on my own. I belong to him. And he's really kind of submits himself that God becomes his master, his Lord. And he's a piece of property. So Paul, in his eyes, I belong to the Lord. Just pause on that and ask yourself that question. Like, are you a slave to God? I mean, are we a slave to him? He is your Lord. He is your master. You belong to him? Man, this is an exciting book. My gosh. And he says he's called to be an apostle. Apostle is simply one who's sent by God. One who, in order to be an apostle, you had to have seen Christ. And you might say, well, Paul didn't see Christ. Yeah, in Acts chapter 9, when he has this uh, interaction with Jesus, he meets Jesus and he becomes this apostle. He says, I am sent by God. And the purpose of his being sent was to ultimately share the gospel. The good news regarding, it says, the gospel of God because, why does it say the gospel of God? Because gospel is good news. So you can have good news about a lot of things. But this is the good news of God. And it's about God. And at the center of God is Christ. Because you cannot have the gospel without Jesus because Jesus is at the center of the gospel. This is his whole teaching into this. And so he's going to drive this point home to these religious Jews, of course, and then also to these new Christians as well. And so he centers the gospel around the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. This is what he's going to do in the book of Romans. And he says that we are all called. Look what it says. And he says, listen, in verse 6, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And then he writes, To all in Rome who are loved by God, and you're called to be his holy people. So in ministry, a lot of times you'll hear the language, are you called? And you're called into ministry. I'm not called, but I've got the call. And you'll hear this term a lot in ministry, calling. And the reminder to us today, the reminder to you is, if you are a believer and follower of Christ, you are called. I mean, technically, you're all called. It's not that just like the pastors have the calling of preaching and proclaiming the gospel. That would be 100% inaccurate. You are called to be holy people. That's a calling on your life. How are you doing? You know, like, man, like my after holiness. This is Paul's proclamation to these people in Rome. 
You are called. You're all called to be his holy people. Why? Because in the Old Testament, Jews were called to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But now Paul is saying it's not just Jews that are called to be holy, called to proclaim the gospel to people. It's all of you in Rome. This is what he's pushing on. Verse 8, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. I think that is fantastic because there's no social media. So just think about how much would have to be happening, how many stories are being, like how did the word get out? Think about that. It wasn't, there was no news media, no social media, no photography. Did you know how it's being spread? Word of mouth. Man, people are talking about you everywhere, and it's spreading all over the world. And Paul is moved by this because people won't be quiet about this gospel. This is powerful stuff. It's amazing. And then he goes on to say, God, whom I serve in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how I constantly, oh, how constantly I remember you. In my prayers at all times, I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened up for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, he says. The practical reason, just so you know, what he's simply saying is, I'm wanting to come see you, and I haven't been able to. Verse 13, he continues in the same thought. I do not want... I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among other Gentiles, the other Gentiles. Verse 14, I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. So practical reason for him of not being able to simply go and get to these people you're saying what's preventing them and i know we'd be quick to say well there's another text that speaks that it was satan that got in his way that satan blocked his way from coming to to other believers and to share the gospel like sometimes we do want to blame satan for a lot of things and rightly so but in this context it's not satan that's blocking him it's actually his work in the ministry of where he currently is He's trying to deliver funds to another church from another church, and he's in the process of doing ministry. But he's also letting you know, as I'm doing ministry, I'm just letting you know I still love you and care about you. Let me just pause on this, because I think this is important in our current uh, world that we live in that you probably won't understand. One of the things that people don't want to see churches grow is because then all of a sudden people can become forgotten. Because if you grow as a church and you have more people as a church, all of a sudden you don't matter as much, right? Take your head, yeah, that's right, that's, that's kind of true, right. But just so you know whether or not we have 100 people or 50 people or 100,000 people or 5,000 people or two, I just want you to know I love you and I care about you and we pray for you. Whether we have five, whether we have 20, whether we have 100. So even if I don't talk to you, I just want you to know I love you. That's what Paul is getting at. Now, does it make sense what he's, what he's letting them know? I know I haven't got a chance to see you. Trust me, I'm trying to get to you. I know I can't talk to all of you, but I love you, and I want you to know that. Make sense? And I'm hoping to hang out with you at some point. May not happen. Hopefully it will. I don't know. 
In the meantime, talk to your group leader, okay? This is what he's getting at. This is his heart. But he's trying to help them understand his heart towards them and how much he cares about them. That's just some context so we can understand why he's saying that to them, okay? So he's wanting them to understand it, and he genuinely had a heart to see people come to faith. He really wanted them to come to faith. He really wanted them to understand this gospel. And so he says to the Greek and non-Greeks, because to a Greek, a non-Greek was a barbarian. I mean, you were like, like just kind of like the scum, like just outside. You're, you're, you're fooled, you're, you're not wise, you're in poverty, like because to a Greek, they were philosophers and like they, they had the, the glory and he's like, man, this is for all people, to Greeks and non-Greeks, everybody's under this. I want everybody to understand this gospel. He had a heart to see all people come to faith. And the word eager that he uses means ready and willing. I am so ready and I'm so willing to deliver this gospel to you. I'm hoping to come to you. But in the meantime, here's the letter so that you would understand this gospel story. And so I want to put this in for us in our context today. Simply remind you of why we do what we do. Even though you've heard it many times, it's worth repeating. And our mission is people. We say that Jesus is our model, so people are our passion. That's why we say we're all about people. Why does that stir something up in me so much? And I hope it stirs something up in you. Because when you look at the writings of Paul, it's not like it's just me, but you look at the writings of Paul, Paul says, I gave my life to this thing. Because once I have personally understand the gospel and what the gospel does for me, how could I keep that to myself? I can't. I've got to go tell as many people as I possibly can to all people. I want every single person to come to know this gospel that I know. And his heart is fully expressed, by the way. He is not after to prove a point. He's after a group of people. He's not after to make a statement. He's trying to let them understand how much he loves them, and he wants them to come to faith. Amen? And this is our mission, leading people into a transformational relationship with Jesus. I want to just remind you what we are trying to do as well, as many people as we possibly can. Amen? Of course. Then Paul makes the famous statement that uh, people have like tattoos and they don't even know what it says, you know. That's one of my favorite things in the world. People get tattoos. By the way, if you ever see somebody with like a verse tattoo, just challenge them. Hey, what does that say? You'll be amazed how many times we're like, uh, I don't know. Anyways, all right. So that's usually when I come back with something completely off, you know, that and just to mess with them. Like, oh, I didn't know it said that. Yeah, you got the wrong one, dude. Um, then, then Paul makes the famous statement, right? Here it is. Come on. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Both receive the necessary of the gospel. This salvation is a Greek word, soteria, I'm guessing, S-O-T-E-R-I-A. Okay? It means deliverance for a person or nation. But here's what I want you to understand. Deliverance is the act of being rescued or set free. In other words, you are safe or you are saved. It's the same. I am safe. I have been rescued. I've been set free. I'm safe. I am saved. Some people can use the word saved and they still don't know what saved means. To be saved is simply in this context to say I've been set free. That's why we can sing songs about freedom because I've been set free. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm now free in Christ. 
I'm saved. I am safe from the gate, from the, the eternities of, of hell. I am saved. I'm safe in God's arms. So many of this overlaps. And for this context, this is an important thing to understand and to distinguish. Rome was extremely powerful. Rome had seized Jerusalem at this period. Rome is in full power. Rome is in full control. They have all the power, all the philosophers, all the religious leaders, all the brains, all the smarts, all the money. I mean, they are, in many people's eyes, the savior. Caesar is looked up as he's the savior. Rome is the power. Everything in this context, everyone looked to Rome and to Caesar and to the leaders and saying they're the ones that have the, the way to freedom. They're the hope. Our hope is in them. Our hope is in our government. Our hope is in our leadership and how powerful we are. And we're taking over just populations. This is Rome's like dominion. And so they, they have this in their head. But Paul jumps in and he wants them to know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. It's the power of God that sets us free. It's not the power of Rome and certainly not the power of Caesar. This is his point of why he's writing them to let them know this. And they would have been like, what do you mean? Rome is powerful. And yet Paul is saying, no, God has the power to save. God has the power to set us free. And he has this confidence, and he knew, if I say that God has this power to set us free, that God has this, I am going to be mocked. I'm going to be put in jail, likely. I'm going to be ridiculed. Of course, he would be ridiculed, and he would be mocked, and he would be put in jail for it. But he says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. The power of the gospel for Paul changed everything. Man, it changed his whole life. And so what does this gospel set us free from? Of course, the people are wondering, well, if the gospel sets us free, what does it set us free from? Why do we need this gospel? Do you need a gospel? What is this gospel all about? All right, so Paul writes in the next verse, huge verse, and it's like so profound, it helps so much into it, it helps us understand the gospel. Verse 17, for in the gospel, all right, so that's in the good news, in this gospel, inside of it, is the righteousness of God is revealed. We get the revelation of the righteousness of God in the gospel. So you can't have the gospel without talking about the righteousness of God. And if you talk about the righteousness of God, you have to talk about the unrighteousness of humanity. That God is righteous and humanity is not. Right? This is what he's getting into. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A standard is set. The standard of God's righteousness. He says, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written. And then he quotes Habakkuk here, and he says, which is an Old Testament author, Habakkuk, in the book of Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith. Let me unpack this. This is into your notes. Look down at your notes a little bit. Or you can look at the screen if you don't have sermon notes. Righteousness in the gospel. The word righteousness simply means acceptable to God. You are acceptable to God. You can be in his presence. You can be among him and around him and with him. You are acceptable. The righteousness of God is displayed, he says, in the life of Jesus, which is holy and blameless. 
but it's also displayed in his death, how God deals with sin. When you look at the cross, you see how God deals with unrighteousness or unholiness. When Jesus was brutally put on the cross and whipped and beat and all the things that we have seen and witnessed in history and we read about, all of that was done to demonstrate to you how God deals with unholiness, how he deals with sin and unrighteousness. It was all for demonstration. Of course, more than just demonstration, it was displayed in his death, how God deals with sin. And it displayed in his resurrection of how he overcomes sin. He's saying when you look at the life of Jesus, how he lived, how he died, and how he was raised from the dead, this story shows you and reveals to you how God deals with righteousness. What it takes to be righteous, how one can obtain righteousness, and the necessity that you and I have to be deemed righteous. Because if you're not righteous, if you're not holy, if you're not perfect, you can't be in a perfect God's presence. Because the moment that you have imperfect people, unrighteousness, unholiness, enter into heaven, you've now contaminated it, and it's no longer holy, it's no longer perfect. So how do we get this acceptable place? How do we get there? This is what he is saying, and he's saying that the way is by faith in the gospel. Oh, this is huge. And so if you've ever grown up in different, maybe, teachings, please hear me now. If someone has ever told you that the way you obtain salvation is by some form of work, by some form of task that you have to obtain first, some class you have to take, anything that you have to do in order to obtain salvation, you want to pay attention to this verse. If you are out and about and someone says you have to be dot, 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 you have to do dot, 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 you have to talk a certain way, you have to say certain things, you have to live a certain way, dot, 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 you just take them back. You say, my pastor told me you're a liar. Romans chapter 5 verse 17, I am justified by what? Faith. I'm not justified by baptism. I'm not justified by what kind of music I listen to. I know I'm working on it, but I'm trying to get there, but sometimes I like a little whatever music. I'm, I'm working on it, I'm a work in progress, amen? But I'm justified by what? Faith, this is so important. Faith, why? Because he's writing to who? Remember, the audience? Come on, I'm sick, I need some help. Who's he writing to? Christians and who else? Jewish people in Rome. And there's the dividing line between law and grace. And the Jews are saying, you've got to have these certain things done. You've got to be circumcised. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And Paul is interjecting, saying, I'm trying to get you guys together. No, we're justified by faith. Not by all of these things. We're justified by faith. And faith alone. It's the Greek word pistis. I think he was pissed. Anyways. And I did have that joke right there. I knew it would work. Um, I just try to get away with cussing as much as I can on say, no, that's not cussing. Um, he's like, man, listen, faith, and this is really important. What's faith? Faith is the conviction, now this is so important, or the belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. Now write the, look at your notes. Faith is confidence that Jesus is who he said he is and will do what he said he will do. 
This is faith. I have faith that Jesus is who he said he is, and he will do what he says he will do. I have faith in him. I have confidence in him. Now, write this into your notes, and I'll teach you on this. Salvation, key truth, salvation is based on belief, not behavior. But I put there so you would please, 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 like, understand this word. I'm very passionate about this. Like, please understand this word, belief. Salvation is based on belief. So I gave you the definition of belief so you understand what belief is. Trust, faith, confidence in someone or something. And of course, in this case, we're talking about someone, Jesus. Faith, uh, or I'm sorry, belief is not simply believing in the existence. If you believe in the existence of God, that's great, but that doesn't save you. That's not faith. You're justified by faith. What's faith? Confidence, trust. These words more help us understand what it means to have faith. Do you trust that Jesus is who he said he is? And according to the text, if you do not have that faith, that confidence that Jesus is who he said he is, like Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to dad but through me. You trust that or you don't trust that. And if you trust that, you have faith. You have confidence that the only way to heaven is through Christ. Either your, your hope is in Christ or your hope is in you. This is what he's trying to get at. Your hope has to be in Christ, this is how we reach justification in the eyes of God. How do you become acceptable to God? By simply placing your confidence in what Christ has done for you. This is the confidence that we have of what Christ has done for us. Salvation is based on belief, not behavior. Now I know, I know, I know. Some of you right now are like, but wait a minute. Faith without works is dead, James, I know. And the argument is gonna start to ensue. We're not gonna, we're gonna get there later on. We're gonna start talking about all the kind of stuff. He's like, ooh, that means I get to just sin all I want. This is so good, I got good news, it is good news. I Justified by faith, I do believe that he was God. I do believe he's Jesus, so now, game on. And that was the concern. They were so concerned that if you came to believe that, that justification happened by faith and faith alone, then you would just get out of jail free card and sin all the time. And they just couldn't wrap their head around how we could possibly function this way. And I still speak to people about this who feel this way to this very day. And I'm like, man, hey, I am saved by faith and, and grace. Like, that's it. And there becomes an, sometimes a healthy conversation, I'll say, between me and the other individuals at times about this understanding of what it takes to obtain salvation. Because there's a natural human tendency in us that if you really uh, uh, believe something, you gotta prove it. And certainly there's, there's context to that, but justification is reached one way, faith and faith alone. Man, that like, woo! Okay, so, that, doesn't that excite you that you don't have to earn your way to heaven? And now, if you would rather try to earn it, man, by all means, okay? If you just wanna try to earn your, get out of your free card to heaven, go ahead. 
but I do not earn it. This is Paul's whole point. In the Old Testament, they simply thought righteousness was attained by obedience, but they always fell short. Romans chapter three, last verse. And if you can bring out the ladder, I will show it to you. Look what he says in verse, um, Romans chapter three, verse 21. Paul writes this, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. The word believe is to have confidence in. I trust him. I trust his word. It's not just a belief that he lived. I have absolute full trust that Jesus was who he said he was. Look what he says. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. See, he's bringing them together. There's no difference between any of you. You're basically all messed up. Every single one of you, total depravity. You're all sinners. You're liars and cheaters and backstabbers and murderers. And if you go read Romans chapter 1, you will see a long list of sin. All right, so do me a favor. If you fall under one of these categories, stand up. You're a, you've lied. Come on, we know this Kirk Cameron stuff. You lied. If real Christians know what I'm talking about right now, okay. Yeah, you steal from people. You, 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 uh, you deceive people. You gossipers. Come on. You, you stealers, you thieves. Uh, man, this is amazing. I gotta, I gotta get you up. No, no, stay seated. This is amazing. Well, I'm trying to figure out what. Pride, pride. There we go, okay, so. Um, all right, sit down, okay, <laughs> we're, we're neighbors, I can do that with you, you know, we're, we're neighbors, it's funny. Man, right, so this, he's right, guys, would you all stand up, like he's just saying, man, all fall short, this is what he says, look, he says, all fall short, all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace, and then like, just wrap your head around that, you see, it's, it's free grace, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, it says, forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished and he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just, because he's a just God, so he's gotta put him on the cross because that's what happens. Like, he's a just God and the one who justifies those who have Faith in Jesus. This is powerful in the gospel. Write this in last thought. We obtain righteousness, not by ourselves, but by our faith in Christ. Amen? Okay, so I'll illustrate this to you. And I'd like to have a volunteer, if we can, anybody who's just willing to put themselves out there. I'll bring a couple of these up, and then we'll wrap up. And I hope this helps you understand this gospel story. All right, so I just need anybody who's just willing to just come on up, somebody just willing. Come on, somebody, come on. We're, come on, come on. All right, come over here. Come over here, come over here. Okay, just do me a favor. Just write your name right here, okay? All right, what's your name? Ella, okay, Ella. Uh, don't matter. However you feel about yourself today, it's good. You said big or small? All right, Ella, thank you. Thanks for being so courageous and doing this. You have no idea what I'm about to do to you, so it takes a lot of <laughs> courage. We did not, we didn't rehearse this or anything, right? Okay. So you see this ladder here? At the top of it is righteous, which really means like, man, holy, okay? Like, perfect, all right? I mean, like, never do anything wrong. 
You don't say anything wrong, don't do anything wrong, like, you know, nothing, okay? I just want you to get on the ladder, however high you think you are compared to, to, to like, righteous, okay? Just tape yourself on the ladder wherever you think you belong. Now, everybody's watching you. We're kind of curious how, <laughs> how righteous you are. And I can put it, if you're, if you're like, you're pretty righteous, I'll put it up there for you. So you just, you're doing okay, huh? All right, thanks, Ella, appreciate that. But you're not up there? You're not perfect? Okay, thank you, Ella. Can everybody go for Ella? Thanks, Ella. Okay. But Ella, you're doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good, Ella. All right, anybody else want to come tell me, show me? Come here, Mario. Come here, Mario. Mario, come here, come here. Let's see, Mario, I want you to do me a favor. Is that your wife next to you? I want you to put your wife's name, Alice. Right there. You just write Alice on there. There you go, Mario. Okay, here we go. All right, now you go tell a heart. He added the extra heart. Now you, now righteous is God's standard holiness, okay? Like, perfect. All right, you put Alice where you think she belongs. Whoa. <laughs> what, you're gonna put her next to God? Okay. Oh, look at, sorry, Ella. She's evidently a little better than you. Okay. All right, we get, we get this. Okay, last one, somebody else, I need somebody else. Come here. Okay, come here. Yeah, you, why not, you feel like, go ahead. All right, Anthony. All right, go, go tape yourself up there, man. Where are you at? Huh? You don't know if you can climb that high? <laughs> I can put it up for you. Oh, Anthony, oh, Anthony. Come on, Anthony. I like that you, you leaned it up, you know? Not all the way to the floor. You, you got a little something, right? Yeah, you're doing okay. You're learning. All right, all right, last one, and then I'll, I'll write this one. Okay, now you guys just tell me where I should put her, okay? Okay, y'all tell me. Where do I put her at? Down at the bottom? Wow. Anthony's better than Mother Teresa? She served a lot of people, man. Like, but okay. <laughs> We're gonna put her on the floor? I mean, she fed a lot of poor people. I'm talking about on your own. This is all about on your own, without Christ. Just on your own, just from a human point of view, right? But you want to put her on the floor. All right. Okay. Sorry. Can I just say this to us as a church? This is a hopefully a lesson you never forget. I think Mother Teresa would have put herself on the floor. You could throw out Martin Luther King Jr. You could say, I think MLK would say, put me on the floor. Not even close. Where would Paul, where would Paul put himself? I'm chief of all sinners. I am the worst. I don't even belong on the ladder. 
His whole point to this church in Rome was, every one of you falls short and you'll never get there. You can try for the rest of your life to obtain righteousness by yourself, but you'll never hit it. This is the gospel. This is why it's good news. Because you're justified. You reach righteousness because of what Christ did and no other reason. That's what allows us to be acceptable to God, that we get to climb this ladder of righteousness, that we obtain this righteousness when we get on the ladder of Christ, of the cross, we get on it, we get righteousness because of what Christ has done. That is the best news in the world. So when you think about this gospel, you say, this is the best news. I obtain righteousness, holiness, perfection because of what Christ has done for me. Amen? This is what Paul is trying to, to get at when he says this. He's like, that, that's, that's how I get there. And he's so compelled by this message that he has to go and tell others. The way the righteousness, not just heaven, but the way to righteousness and holiness is by literally allowing Christ's life and death and resurrection, like that, allow that story to be where we put our confidence in, that the only way that I could ever obtain that is because of Christ did for me. Can I pray for us? Oh, Jesus, thank you that we get to come up and hear and just like learn about this gospel. And even though it's a story that some of us have heard, oh, it feels good to be reminded of this story. And today, I believe, God, that there are some in this room who say yes to that, that they want to put their confidence and their trust in you. And today, as you just heard this gospel story, you go, I've never maybe seen it that way or heard it that way. And maybe it go like it illuminated, like a light went off. It's like, gosh, that makes sense. And today you want to put your faith, your confidence in the life and death and resurrection of Christ and not try to earn your way to righteousness, but instead accept Christ's death and resurrection and the forgiveness of your sins because of what he did for you. And today I'm going to invite you in this moment just to make that decision right where you are and you can just raise your hand and say yeah that's me I want to make sure that I am saved and I want to receive salvation by Christ and Christ alone and I believe that I want to put faith and confidence in that and if that's you would you just lift your hand right where you are because I want to pray that prayer with you amen I see your hands and that's so good and listen if that is you today and your hand is lifted and you want to put your confidence and hope in him you say, God, I, listen, let me tell you something. If your hand is lifted, look at me. I just want you to know this so you know. You are forever now saved by his grace. Don't let anyone ever say or take that from you. The moment you confess Christ as your savior and you put your hope and faith and confidence in that, that can never be taken from you, ever. It can never be taken from you because Jesus said, 
Three big words. It is finished. So he took the sin, he paid the consequence, so now you can have righteousness, right standing with God for all eternity. Let's pray this together. Just say this with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. My hope, my confidence, the righteousness is you. I give you my life today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate those in the room who said yes to Jesus? Um, it's so good. Hey, I just want to say, man, it's so cool to be part of, of this church and what God is doing uh, through uh, this church. And um, it pumped and excited about it. But remember, the whole goal of this whole thing is this, is that you would go tell someone else. And so over the next three or four weeks, I'm going to be talking about the gospel, all building up into Easter. You don't have to wait until Easter to tell someone the gospel. We'll do the gospel next week and the gospel next. So bring someone in who needs to hear this gospel. And then if you cannot say it, I'll say it. But I want you to say it. I want you to tell them this gospel, this good news. Amen? Amen? Hey, we'll stand up. We're going to read our verse together before we're dismissed. You, you know it now, like we've been saying it for a couple of weeks. I just love to hear you say it. and just makes me feel good, so thanks. All right, let's read all together. Ready? Here we go. The Lord bless you. Amen. God bless you. Take care. We'll see you next Sunday. Take care.